NFL show on the grueling network. The NFL show is always is brought to you by Path of Purity. Make sure you check them out at pathofpurity.direct for a special buy two or buy one month, get two months free. So make sure you check them out at Path of Purity Direct. It is a CBD that actually time releases over a 12 hour period of time. So check them out at pathofpurity.direct. I'm your host for the NFL show, Mike Goodpastor. Right now, I'd like to welcome my co host, Sam Teets. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Mike. How about you? I am doing just chipper. And, of course, as always, the reason I'm in such a good mood is we have 1981 Indiana basketball legend. Well, not really, but he was on a team that was legendary. Help me welcome to the show, Steve Risley. How you doing, Steve? Hey, good. You know, I, I was doing a, an Indiana basketball radio broadcast the other day, um, and they tried to bill me as a hero, conquering hero. You know, I said, I'm not. I'm more of like a champion's aide. Yeah, so, you're, you're more like the handsmaid to Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, exactly. And I, I told that story about how Isaiah and I combined for 26 points, and they they chuckled at that. Well, so, it's true. Yeah, well, I was just his aide. You know, I mean, he did the bulk of the work. I just was there to support him and knock the crap out of Worthy and uh, Perkins as needed. Yeah, all right. I've watched that game. I don't remember you knocking the crap out of anybody. But First thing I did, I got in the floor and put Perkins on his ass. Okay. He was 6'10 and weak. Who couldn't put him on his ass? But he did have a long career in the NBA. Yes, he so did. At least Rock he did affect him. All right, let's go ahead. We're at championship weekend, conference championship weekend. I don't know if anybody thought we would ever get here, but we are. And we have two marquee matchups. I, I think it's safe to say, Sam, these are the four best teams in the NFL, and I think it's fairly safe to say these are the four best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, the only one you might want to throw into that conversation could be Deshaun Watson, maybe early season Russell Wilson, but we got these four guys here now. I mean, still, we eliminated teams last week, guys, but like Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but not the same level of these four. Lamar Jackson, who's a decent quarterback, not the same level of these guys. Drew Brees obviously had a lot of troubles. There was injuries come out that he had – a torn rotator cuff during the season, or a bunch of other stuff about why he wasn't playing so well. But now we've got four elite quarterbacks, four really good teams. These are all Super Bowl contenders. And frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if any one of them won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and the thing that really sticks out to me here is the fact that last year when I tried to say Josh Allen was better than Lamar Jackson, you laughed at me, but now you agree with me. Yeah, he's been much better than Lamar Jackson this year. I'll admit that. All right. I just wanted to get that part right. I own my mistakes, Mike, and there's quite a few of them. I always own them. All right. Steve Risley, which matchup is better to you? The two old guys going at it or the two young guys? I think the more heads up one is the young guys going at each other. I think that's um, I, I think that's going to be a shootout between two pretty strong offensive teams. Uh, I don't know. Do we have word yet on whether – Holmes is cleared. He's going to be cleared. Or... They're acting now like he didn't even have a concussion. He staggered okay. around because of a pinched nerve in his neck. Yeah, and I, mean... I, I, I think I think you've got two interesting matchups. I think you've got the explosiveness of the Packers versus the methodicalness uh, of of the the Bucks. You got the explosiveness of uh, Aaron Rodgers versus the, the the methodicalness of Brady. Um, and then I think you have, uh, just two young guns who are hell bent for election in, in Allen and, uh, uh, Holmes. 
Mahomes. Holmes. All right, let's look at their first game. In a week six loss, Kansas City pretty much dominated Buffalo 26 to 17. The score wasn't as close as it would indicate. That's not do, the first game, though. Do we? That was the first game they played against each other oh, okay. in week six. And Steve, does that have any bearing on this? No, I think these teams have changed enough now and gotten their bearings down set. I, I really would. The only thing the game film now is to look for tendencies that you might be able to pull somebody, or you can tell when, what kind of foot stance a quarterback using if he's going to go right or left. But I, I think they each know what each other has at this point in time, and it's all about execution more than it is surprise. Um, that's just my opinion. Mike, I'm sure you'll have a, a more elaborate one, but I, I don't think you're going to surprise anybody to a great degree. Uh, there might be one, some triple reverse, uh, chuck them down 40 yards by a receiver play thrown in. Um, but other than that, I think they both teams know what's on the table. All four do. You're not going to surprise anybody right now. It's just execution now in my book. Yeah, and the first matchup, Sam, the thing that stands out to me, the Bills were missing starting tight end Dawson Knock, starting linebacker Matt Milano, a pair of rotational defensive linemen in Trent oh. Murphy and Harrison, Harrison Phillips. And they've got two starting offensive linemen now, different than what it was then. I think this team is much more capable of winning this game, especially because of those two offensive linemen. But there was a lot of stuff going on that week when the Bills played the Chiefs. I think you had some COVID activity, which knocked some Bills out, pushed the game back some. So when we look at it, I don't think we can get necessarily a gauge on who wins. The thing that is interesting to me is how these teams will attack each other and if they're going to attack each other like they did the last time. Yeah, change here if you're the Buffaloes and you kind of want to go at the Chiefs right now, and you have to understand that Mahomes, even if he plays, which I think we all agree he probably will, he is dealing with a toe injury that when you watched him play against Cleveland, when he was scrambling, he didn't look very comfortable. It looked like he was kind of feeling ginger about it. He wasn't moving as quick as we usually see him. So you have to understand that Mahomes' mobility might be a little more limited than what we're used to this coming game. And you're right, the health is a key difference here. The Bills have basically all the guys back. They were missing that first matchup. Meanwhile, if you're the Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is still dealing with a high ankle sprain. I'm pretty sure he'll play. I, I would bet he'll play. But I don't know how effective he's going to be this coming weekend. And, of course, you have Mahomes coming off of the thing with the toe and the concussion. And you're also without Mitchell Schwartz, who was your starting right tackle when you played Buffalo last time. He's not going to play this game. So there's a big difference here where the Bills are healthy, the Chiefs are hurt. And, like you said, defensively, how you approach and attack these quarterbacks is going to be the key factor here and maybe the key difference maker in how this game plays out. Yeah, and if we look at the way the Bills defended the Chiefs in that week six game, they didn't blitz one time, and they limited Mahomes to zero com completions over 20 yards. They basically played quarters coverage roughly 65% of the time when I rewatched the game yesterday, and they gave away the run. And the Chiefs took advantage of that, ran for, I think, almost 250 yards. My question is this. <clears throat> They had a two-high safety concept, and they couldn't stop the run game with that. Started the second half, they went to one safety high when Mahomes was under center, so they were bringing an extra guy into the box. When they were in shotgun, they went too high with the safeties. How will they, will, will they blitz Mahomes now because of the toe injury, because of the possible neck or concussion? Are they going to go after him more than they did the first game, or will they continue to play the way they did the last time? 
I think you have to go after them a little bit more because you saw what happened when you gave them the running game. They were able to take advantage of it. Now, granted, if Clyde Edwards Slayer doesn't play, maybe he changes up everything. Maybe that completely alters your game plan. So I'm not really feeling threatened by Daryl Williams or Le'Veon Bell or anyone like that. So I think you'd be more willing to give them the run with those kind of situations. But if Clyde Edwards Slayer is healthy, if he plays, I think you have to still have to bring some pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the Chiefs don't have a fully healthy offensive line. And I think pressure will affect him more than sitting back and letting him have his throws, even though you might be able to take away the deep shots of Tyreek Hill. I just think you can't guard Kelsey no matter what. So I think getting some pressure in there could be beneficial here. Well, hey, wouldn't you say, though, that the, that the Chiefs' offense is spread out enough? I, in my rookie orientation of all this, you know, I mean, I'm not nearly as adept as you guys, but it seems to me that because. The, the Chiefs' offense is so spread out and, and so all over the place in a good way. Injuries can be buried easier for the Chiefs than they could be than, say, a lot of other football teams, maybe so even including the Bills, who tend to want to run up the middle on you when they run. Um, you know, uh, certainly Allen's not afraid to go right up the middle on you. Mahomes goes out. It just seems to me that if there are one or two injuries or toe sprains or something, on on Mahomes, that's bad. You know that obviously that's going to limit his mobility to some degree. And then you got to wonder how skittish he's going to be if he does have some lingering effects of a concussion floating around. But it just seems to me the way the Chiefs run their offense, injuries can be buried and hidden easier than they can be on the Bills. Just um, my observation. I don't think so because of this. Okay. I, I think with their skill position players. They, they're nowhere near as good as their starters. And once you start getting a player to hurt, maybe you can't spread the field as much, Steve. Okay. Then, yeah, that's if you know I what I mean. I mean, and, and when I look at defending them, to me, I would almost, Sam, stay two safeties high. And I would go after one to front. And every once in a while, when they go under center, I'd bring the safety down in a box and I'd blitz somebody. Um, I think you could see them drop their DNs into coverage a little bit, but with this chiefs team, the way to defeat them is the way they played them before the problem before was Josh Allen didn't make his throws. I mean, Josh Allen on, on the opposite side, Kansas city blitzed the crap out of him. They blitzed him on like 50% of the passing plays. And I, I think a reason a lot of that happened was you were missing a couple offensive lines or offensive linemen, especially guard John Feliciano who was out, but with him back, the Bills' pass protection has been as good as any in the NFL. Feliciano is the one that makes the calls here. And when I watch this game, the other game to me seems to be more of a player's game, more of a quarterback-driven game. I think with this game and the way these teams match up and how good both of these coaches are, this is a game where the coaching is going to be huge on who wins this game. Um, if you start dropping in and blitzing a lot, on the Chiefs, uh, and I don't know if you mean a lot or just doing it. No, I just mean occasionally. Up. You have right, to because you got Kels there, right? I mean, you just dump over the middle to him. He's bound to get you seven, eight, nine yards almost every time he touches. The it's according where you're blitzing from, Steve. Right? Okay. I, I can right. still Explain cover that to people. Yeah, I, I can still cover him if I'm blitzing, as long as I'm not blitzing from his side. If you know what I mean, if I go opposite side of him and blitz weak side, and bring a guy there or bring pressure up the middle, I can still cover him. The question is, do the Buffalo Bills have the personnel to cover Kelsey anyways? Because we saw, Steve, when the Colts played the Chiefs, 
the thing that really kept the Colts in the game was their ability to throw the ball to the tight ends and Buffalo's inability to cover them. Yeah. And that was a killer there. Uh, Sam, what's your take here? I mean, to me, this is very interesting because I really think a lot of this is going to be decided by the way the two teams decide to attack each other. And I, I think this right now, I think if the Chiefs were to come out and blitz almost 50% of the time against Josh Allen, they're going to lose this game because I think this offensive line is much better. I think Josh Allen has improved a lot since week six. And also with that blitzing, that's going to put you one-on-one in a lot of cases with the receivers from Buffalo. And Stephon Diggs is as good as anybody. Cole Beasley is not bad. John Brown. And then also, if you're going to blitz him, if you lose any kind of contain, Josh Allen can run for 100 yards in the game also. Yeah, exactly. You have to be very careful here about about going one-on-one with someone like Stephon Diggs. And what you said on the other side of the ball, Kansas City's defense, I mean, sorry, Buffalo's defense, they have a good enough defensive front that I think you could just leave them there and bring pressure to your defensive front and get to Mahomes a couple of times or at least make him uncomfortable and test that mobility, test that foot, see how he's moving around. Because they have good enough personnel up front and also a good enough depth up front, I believe, to get pressure on Mahomes at various points during the game. Covering the tight end will be interesting. I wonder if they're going to try to use a safety. I wonder if they're going to try to use maybe a, a backup or slot corner there. Or maybe just use Matt Milano. Matt Milano is allowing a 70.9 passer rating when targeted this season. So he's been very good in coverage. It'll be very interesting to see how they address Travis Kelsey. But frankly, the, the two biggest concerns I saw the quarterbacks on both sides, it's Travis Kelsey, how do you scheme for him if you're Buffalo? And then, of course, Stephon Diggs, how do you stop him if you're Kansas City? I think both these guys are unstoppable. They're going to get a certain amount of touches. They're going to get a certain amount of yards. It's just can you contain them to the point where the damage they do is not detrimental? Yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to say none of the three of us see either of these teams playing conservative football in the first game or the, or the or Buffalo or Kansas City. And that's not the moniker for either one of these two football teams. Well, it was the moniker in week six for the Buffalo defense. And I think that the one big thing is here, can the Bills run the ball? The Chiefs run defense is about the middle of the pack in the NFL. I think you could run in between the tackles. They got Devin Singletary last week. I don't even know would they run the ball like once in the first half. So I think there's a lot of questions there if the Bills could run the ball. Uh, the game could be a shootout. But I could very well see this game you know, being a lot like that first game where you get a final score of 24-17 to 17 or 27-20. to 20. I really doubt that this game is 41-38 to 38 when it's all said and done, Sam. I think the defenses are good enough that you won't see that kind of high-scoring output. Because you talk about Buffalo's defense, they have guys. That's secondary. With Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Chavius White, it's very good. So I think that secondary is going to be crucial to them winning. I already talked about the defensive front. I like that defensive front for Buffalo. And the Chiefs, the Chiefs just have one or two big plays defensively almost every game when they need them to be. Last, last week was Tyron Matthew intercepting Baker Mayfield. Even though the offense never capitalized on that, they missed the field goal. But you're going to see – Kansas City's defense make one or two key plays here. I think Buffalo's defense will be consistent throughout the game and will play fairly well. So I don't think you're going to see a, a 35 to 38 game. I think you'll see more along the lines of a 28 to 24 kind of one. All right. Uh, one, one, of the things, one of the things that is ingrained into my feeble brain um, over this, over the watching the playoffs as intently as I have, is more so than any, and, and my comment on this, if you would, I think – Time of possession is a bigger factor 
than I've seen in the past. I mean, I you know, even with like Green Bay, um, you know, before Rodgers could get five plays and put up seven points, uh, you know, Brady's always been a, a, a time of possession quarterback for the most part. Breeze has always been a run and shoot. Mahomes is a run and shoot. But it just seems to me in watching these games, um, just like Buffalo over the Colts. I mean, Buffalo ultimately won that game for a lot of reasons, but one of which they just controlled the offense. They controlled the field of play. They kept their offense on the field and kept the Colts offense off the field and wore their Colts defense. How about this, Steve? Um, okay. Time of possession, I think, in a lot of cases is overrated. Not in every case. But no, one, one perfect example would be the Colts game against the Bills, where the Colts seemed like they had the ball the whole time. The problem is this. If you only give me 20 minutes, but I score five touchdowns and seven drives, it doesn't really matter. Is that what we're expecting? Or are we expecting long march down drives? um, And then who has the advantage? I I believe this. I believe the difference in the game is going to be the fact that I think Buffalo is going to play a lot of soft cover four to try to keep things in front of them. I think they're going to mix the blitz in. I think the Chiefs are going to do what the Chiefs do. I think they're going to blitz Allen. I don't think they're going to blitz him as much as they did last time, but I think they will blitz him. They do also have a tendency to play man-to-man defense. If you play man-to-man defense here, the Bills could score quickly, and then you could end up with a shootout. But when I look at this, I mean, I just – it may be crazy because I know the Chiefs are the defending champions, and I know people are going to say it's just because it's about the start of the year. I said the Bills were going to go to the Super Bowl. But I just think the Bills have more ways to win this game because I think defensively, Buffalo is much better than Kansas City. I think the offensive line for Buffalo is much better than Kansas City's. The quarterbacks, to me, are pretty much a wash. The running game, if there's no Hilaire, I think the game is kind of a wash between them. If Hilaire is healthy, which I don't think he's going to be 100% coming off a high ankle sprain. If you go to the receivers, I don't think there's as much a difference between the Chiefs and Bills as most people think. I mean, the Bills have three really good wide receivers, really four really good wide receivers now. So when I look at the matchup, I think this game is going to be a little bit of both, where I think the Bills will come out, try to maybe play cover four for a lot of the first half with an occasional blitz. I think they'll slow the tempo of the game down. They get to the second half. I think the game will open up in the fourth quarter. I expect this to be like a 14 to 10 game going to the fourth quarter. I think the final score is 27 to 24. And I think the Buffalo Bills are going to the Super Bowl. Steve, who you got? Um, I tell you what, my, my brain says go with the Chiefs just because they've been there, done that before. And I, I, nobody's proven to me that they're, anybody's a lot better than the Chiefs, if better at all. I think Buffalo potentially is going to be as good, not better. I just don't know if the, how much experience is going to count in this game. you got to give the edge to, to Kansas City for the experience. But I agree with you. I think that, that Buffalo has as many weapons as Kansas City does right now. And... I, I just don't think it's ready for the upset yet. I think next year we're singing a different song and dance in my book, but I'm going to stay with Kansas City on this one if Mahomes is healthy. Now, if they come out and say he's not healthy and can't play, it changes. It's a, it's a giveaway. 
I don't think it is a giveaway. I still think they could win with Chad Henney. I think there's so I many think weapons. They could, in but not nearly as, as no. As but easily. the thing is this: you've got to make the pick right now. It doesn't. You I'm going to go. Kansas City Chiefs. All right, there you go, Sam. Right. What do you got? Who do I want to agree with, Steve or Mike, on this one? I feel like I'm not going. Oh, I'm not going to agree with either one. Mike I can pick with Steve, and he could be wrong here, or I could agree with Mike, and he could be right. But I don't like the team he picked. So I don't know which one I want to go with. I'm going to go with Kansas City here. Just because I've been singing Kansas City's praises the entire season, I feel like I need to stick with them through the end here. Uh, and I don't think experience will be a big deal in this game. I really don't. Because the way Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills have been playing so far, I know he has never won a playoff game until this year. But he's performed fine in big game situations. They have a very good coach. I still think Buffalo will be fine. I'm still going to go with Kansas City. I think they just are better by a slim margin. All right, so that'll put me up a game headed into the next game, which we've got the Green Bay Packers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady is playing. Hey, before we get in that game, can I ask a question? Sure. Whatever happened to Richie Incognito? Oh, I don't know. I mean, let me find out. Pick him up and use him. He did play. Oh, he, he might, might have been in uh, with the Raiders, I thought, recently. I thought oh, he was, too. Okay. Yeah, I think he's your starting guard. I'm All not right. sure, though. All right, Tom Brady, 14th conference title game. Wow. That's that's not too bad. Um, that's more than what a handful of teams combined. Um, Aaron Rodgers is playing at home with a Super Bowl on the line, and I think this is—is is this the first time they played an NFC Championship game at home with him? Because I think the other one that they won was against Chicago in Chicago ten years ago. Sam. Yeah, I think I think so. This is the first home one for Because last year was at San Francisco, so I believe this is the first time he's actually playing an NFC Championship game at home. Because they were, I remember they were a low seed when they did make the Super Bowl and play Pittsburgh. They were a lower seed, so Aaron Rodgers has a a big moment here. Because Tom Brady, Tom Brady is already the greatest player of all time. I mean, you you win here, it's the icing on the cake. Obviously, it would be huge if you win here. But at the same point, I think there's more on the line for Aaron Rodgers, someone who has been to one Super Bowl, but really what could separate himself, move himself into maybe that top seven quarterback level if you win a second. Yeah, especially because he'd be winning a second by beating Tom Brady and then he beating either Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, which would yeah. make it even bigger. I mean, the first time he just beat bit, bit, Big Ben and the Steelers. So who couldn't have done that? All right, well, we look at this. I think a big key here, Sam, the Buccaneers running game against the Packers run defense. How do they match up to you? Yeah, this is a very hot and cold situation for Tampa Bay because the Buccaneers have, during games, been a great running team at times, but it also falls apart for them. And I've seen games where they just don't really have much of a running game whatsoever. The key here for me, though, is not necessarily Leonard Fournette. I'm more focused on Ronald Jones because Ronald Jones came out against the New Orleans Saints. When I was watching him run, he had an extra burst there. He had an extra gear that someone like Leonard Fournette does not have. I was highly impressed with what I saw from him in a limited sample size against the Saints. If Ronald Jones is healthy, I think he will go for something in the range of 98, 90 rushing yards. Now, that's probably a decent win for Tampa, for Green Bay if you hold them down to and keep them at maybe 130 total rushing yards. But I still think that Ronald Jones is going to cause some havoc here against Green Bay. Well, and the thing is this. If he runs for 98 and Leonard Fournette runs for 40 or 50, then you got a real issue. Well, yeah, and Leonard Fournette's the rumbler. I mean, he's the guy who can put him there if you need the short yard situations. And looking at what Tampa Bay has done in the playoffs so far, 142 rushing yards without – Ronald Jones against the Washington football team. That was a pretty good run defense. 127 with Ronald Jones against the New Orleans Saints, which has a good defensive front, has a good linebacking group. Things are looking up for Tampa Bay in the running game. 
Yeah, and you look at Jones in the first game, 23 carries, 113 of the team's 158 rushing yards. Uh, Tampa Bay ended up with only the number 28 rushing offense in the regular season. I, my, the thing that scares me is the fact that I think Bruce Arians and Tom Brady have a tendency to want to go and try to go deep on one-on-one -on -one coverage all the time. But the Rams gashed the Packers with Cam Akers last week, Steve. So stopping the run, I mean, what do you do here? You got Tom Brady and all these weapons, but you got Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, two high-quality running backs. And the Packers last year got ran out of the NFC Championship game because they couldn't stop the run. Yeah, I I, I see this game going kind of based on the playoffs so far. I don't know that I've seen Tampa Bay play really an outstanding, exceptional game yet. I think that they have used Brady's smarts and wherewithal and his methodicalness, it's my word of the day, um, to grind teams down. I, I particularly didn't think that New Orleans played that well, and therefore I didn't think Tampa Bay played that well, and they, they got the win and moved on. But I, I didn't – Tampa Bay didn't look at me and go, man, they're world beaters. Whereas when I watched the Packers play, they're lethal. I mean, really? Rodgers is just in one of those moods where he's just right now lethal. He can score on you in a hurry. Um, I, I don't know, Steve. Up and down the field. Steve, I disagree because of the simple Okay, well, let me finish. Uh, you can disagree okay. all you Go want. On. It's your show. Um, I, I think that they're just lethal right now. I think that Rodgers is as accurate as I've seen him throw the ball all year long and, and in the last couple of years, for that matter. Uh, I, I, I think Sam alluded to it, the fact that this is – I, I hate to say this because I, I don't want to see Tom Brady lose. I've kind of become a fan of his. Um, but I, I think that, that Aaron sees this as an opportunity to elevate himself to another level of status up there with a Peyton, like you said, I think last week in the show, up with a Peyton or – or uh, a, a John Elway, um, or Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is already. Aaron Rodgers is already. Yeah, he's only got eight. one Super Bowl to show for it. The problem's John Elway he can't get in that stratosphere because you got to get the Elway, and then you got to get the Montana and Brady. Yeah, and but, but it I, takes I him up another level, I think, to get it. I don't know. I just think right now Green Bay is playing playing lethal football, uh, and that can go away easily, just as easily as anything else can in this game. And when you talk about that, then you want steady Eddie down the field, and that's what Brady's going to give you. I do think the fact that I think last week they allowed 16,000 fans in the stadium, and I know that that's not capacity. But, boy, I, it sounded to me like it made a difference. Now, they're probably still piping sound in uh, into the stadiums. But those 16,000 people, they, they seem to juice the Packers up a little bit. And that home field advantage may finally come into play for one of the first few times this season. Okay, Mike, with that, I'll defer to you. I will say this. What, what, I saw, what I saw last week was the Rams with the ball and a chance to tie with eight or nine minutes left in the game. The Packers didn't run them out of the building. I thought the Buccaneers straddled the Saints better than what the Packers did to the Rams. And the Rams are a team that was barely above 500, while the Saints were considered maybe the most talented team in the NFL. Yeah, but um, we, knew, we knew that the Rams were underachieving all season long. I don't think they underachieved. I think with the quarterback that they've got, I mean, I think they were what they were. The other thing that would concern me is that quarterback, Jared Goff, who we trashed all year, played pretty dang good against the Packers. Mm -hmm. And the sure. Packers had a hard time stopping him. Now, we look at the run game. I, I think the Bucs are going to be able to run on the Packers. 
when I look at the Packers run game against the Buccaneers defense, now the Packers, you know, beat the hell out of the Rams with that number eight rushing attack. But this Bucks defense to me, Sam, doesn't spring many leaks up front. I think they're all around much more sound than the Rams were in the front seven. I'm especially talking at linebacker. Now, I know they would prefer not to commit an extra defender to run support, but Todd Bowles likes to blitz. He likes to bring guys. And other than a couple long runs last week, that was it. And that was against Alvin Kamara. I think that the Packers are going to have a hard time running a, running a ball against this Bucks front seven. Well, and the Packers aren't fully healthy up front. We obviously know they don't have David Bakhtiari. And meanwhile, you're looking over at a defensive front for Tampa Bay. That's getting Via Vea back. He's a great nose tackle, one of the best nose tackles in the NFL right now. They just activated him from IR this afternoon. So he'll be available to play in that game. We have Ndamukong Sue. He's playing above what I think people would expect him to at this point in his career. Jason Pierre, Paul is a pro bowler. And, of course, you have Shaq Barrett, Levante David, and Devin White, the three linebackers that are all pro bowl caliber players, if not all pros. And frankly, with guys like Levante David on the other side of the ball, it's going to be very hard to run. So those guys are great at sniffing out the football. Devin White just seems to be in the right place all the time. So I have a hard time believing that the Packers, maybe outside one or two, like I said, longer runs, we're going to be able to break out this game. You're not going to go out and average five or six yards per carry every single time you hand the ball off. You're going to get hit in the backfield a couple of times. So I think the running game for Green Bay might disappear, in which case you're left with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Yeah, and if you're left with that, you're going to lose the game. No matter how great Aaron Rodgers is, if you can't run the ball in this game, I don't think they can win it. And when you look at the back, Buccaneers passing game against the Packers pass defense, and you know Brady really leaned on the run the last time they played the Packers. He didn't hold on to the ball that long. He got rid of the ball quickly. I think Chris Godwin will have a big game here. Um, so what do you think, Steve? Can the Packers pass defense cover the Buccaneers pass game? Um, yeah, I think they can because I think that Brady's going to keep the ball short and march it downfield rather than heave it downfield. I think the days of Tom Brady consistently chucking long passes for scores um, are, are, on, are fewer than, than more plentiful at this point in his career. And I think he's adapted incredibly well, which is why I think at 43 still is one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL, if not the best still. Um, but I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, I think the, the Packers secondary can keep Brady more in check than anybody else has. Well, I think this, Sam, when I look at the Buccaneers passing game against the Packers pass defense, I think a lot of this is going to depend, depend on the Smith brothers up front putting edge pressure. You got Jair, Alexander, Adrian Amos. They lead a really good secondary. I think the, kid, the key here is if you can block the Smith brothers, you'll be all right. And I think this is something where you're going to see a lot of short passes because of Alexander and Amos back there. I don't want to see him take a lot of deep shots one-on-one -on -one in coverage with an older Tom Brady. I don't think the arm strength's there like it was, even though I still think he's a top-four quarterback in the NFL. What's your thoughts? Yeah, if, if you're going to take a deep shot, let it be on Rob Gronkowski on a linebacker or let it be on Mike Evans on a much smaller corner. Those are the time deep shots you want to have. Other than that, I would kind of shut away from it, especially with, like you mentioned, the secondary. Jair Alexander statistically had the best – season of a quarterback this year. You have Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. It's a great safety combo. And up front, I'm not 
Zadarius Smith is going to be the one who's going to beat you. It's not going to be Preston Smith. It's not going to be Rashawn Gary. It's going to be Zadarius Smith. If someone's going to get to Tom Brady consistently, it will be him. He is a great player. He's an all-pro caliber player. But Tampa Bay's offensive line has been playing much better in recent weeks than what we've seen in the past. I think that offensive line play, for whatever reason, it has stepped up here in previous weeks. And I'm going to look at the New Orleans Saints game now to see how many sacks Tom Brady took throughout the night. It took, it took uh, just one sack. One sack. So if you get one sack on Tom Brady, two sacks on Tom Brady, it's not the end of the world. I think if that's the case, you're going to win the game because there won't be enough pressure there to force Tom Brady into making bad throws. All right, and we would look at a passing or Packers passing game against the Buccaneers defense. It's interesting here to me. You got Carlton Davis, you got rookie Antoine Winfield Jr. I think they're both good, solid linebackers or good, solid DBs. And you know they got that three-four. They got the edge rushers and Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett. They blitzed the crap out of the Packers the last time. The Packers did go up ten to nothing early, but it seemed to me, Steve, that that first game. That blitz really affected Aaron Rodgers, and it looked like he pretty much packed it in before they even got to halftime. Um, yeah, I. But but again, we already had that discussion today. In the fact that I, I don't think I'm going to look at anything into what happened in earlier games or, or earlier meetings well, and things of that. I'm looking at how these teams are playing right now, and I think it's a different Aaron Rodgers than it was earlier in the season. I think he's playing with a lot more confidence. Uh, I, I was pretty impressed with his mobility uh, in the backfield uh, last week against the Rams. Now, I, I don't think the Rams gave him as much pressure as we all expected them to do. But I, I just think the more time you give Aaron Rodgers, the more dangerous it gets for the opposing team. Well, and I will say this. The reason I do think it matters is David Bakhtiari played in that first game. He's their starting left tackle. He's not playing in this game. They couldn't block him before, and I think this defense is playing even better. And also, linebackers in coverage, from watching the film of New Orleans last week against Tampa Bay, Devin White and Levante Davis were both pretty good in coverage last week, Sam. I know you like to rip on Devin White, but I didn't see him getting beat too much in coverage. Yeah, if you get that from Devin White, you're going to have a huge night. So you can have both those guys covering looks. Levante David's always going to be great. If you get that kind of play from Devin White, it'll be very hard to move the ball downfield. You've got to look outside of that point because you're not going to beat either one of those guys. And looking back at that first matchup, Aaron Rodgers took four sacks. That really threw him off as a game. I'd be surprised if Todd Bowles got the best of Aaron Rodgers twice because Rodgers threw two picks in that game. I would be very surprised if it happened again, especially considering how he finished the season. But I do think there are some takeaways, even though this is a game that happened very early on the season. I do think we can look at this and say, if there's a team that can rattle Aaron Rodgers with the pass rush and with some of the defensive schemes they have, it's probably Tampa Bay. This is yeah. potentially the worst matchup for Green Bay Packers. Well, and how about this? We know the Rams had, you know, the superhuman young coordinator who now gets the head coaching job, what, with the Chargers or something. But Todd Bowles is a better defensive coordinator than that guy. Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive coordinators in football. So I think the last game, if you watch the film, you see them dropping their edge guys into pass coverage even, bringing the other guys underneath of them. I think you'll probably get a variation off of that. I don't think you'll see the same thing again. And I think really the big difference in this game could be the guys that we don't think of because it almost always is. And I think with the Packers, Alan Lazard, um, Equiminius St. Brown, what a great name that is, too. And I think I did a pretty good job of saying it, didn't I, Sam? You did pretty good. You were almost there. 
Okay, that's all I need. But on the other side, the Bucks. I don't think they would have beaten the Saints last week without clutch catches from Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, and Cameron Brait. So I think when we look at this, both secondaries are good enough. These other receivers underneath might be the difference in this game. Well, Scotty Miller is going to have to play well because Antonio Brown was officially ruled out today. So you're going to have no AB for Tampa Bay. That basically boosts Scotty Miller back up to playing a more prominent role. A very good report with Scotty Miller so far. He's done well targeting him. I think we'll see a lot of Scotty Miller. I think we'll see a lot of Cameron Bright there. See if we can get mismatches with the tight ends and linebackers, maybe. So I believe we will see a lot of those guys in this game. And they will, Tom Brady will look to them in those crucial situations because they've come through for him multiple times this year. All right, Steve, when we look at this game, what are the intangibles? Because you've got veteran quarterbacks. But the Packers have been in a championship game. They've been in the playoffs over the last few years. Do the Packers have a huge advantage over the Buccaneers in experience? And does that really matter in this case? I I think the only real intangible, like, I mean, I, I don't see a great, great difference in the kicking games of either one of these two teams. I think both are pretty solid in that aspect. So I don't, I don't, I mean, there's always a missed opportunity on a field goal or an extra point. I don't think weather is going to be an intangible because Tom Brady's played in more cold weather games than Aaron Rodgers has most likely. Um, so I don't think that's going to be an issue, at least not for the quarterbacks. How about this, Steve? Is it an issue that in conference championship games, Aaron Rodgers has not been great. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has thrown more interceptions than touchdown passes in championship Yeah, and games. you know, I've been one all season long. He's not been a big fan of Aaron Rodgers. Until now, I just think he's elevated his game. Uh, I think he smells blood in the water right now. And I, I believe of of the two, looking at Brady and Rodgers, Rodgers has elevated his game wider than Brady has. Now, Brady was already there. So I, I think that the intangible to me is it comes down to just the most flawless execution of either one of these two football teams. I, I just think it comes down to execution, making the making the hard catches, catching the ball, running the routes, um, coaches calling the blitzes at the right time. Um, you know, and, and that seems like what it is every week, but more so than that, because I think these are two very evenly matched football teams in a little bit different ways. But I, I think it's just going to come down to execution, and that's your intangible. One team's going to execute better than other. That team's going to win. That was a brilliant. That close. Brilliant. Steve. That was brilliant. The team that executes better will win. Well, that, that doesn't always happen. The team usually that executes the better usually does win. No, not necessarily. Give me an instance. I, I can't, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, kidding, I, I Steve. we're trying right. to get out of here Steve, Bucks or Packers who do you like, give us a score I'm going to go Packers uh, 34 to 27 Sam Bucks 31 27 alright, I'm going to go Tampa Bay 30, Green Bay 17. I, I think this. I think that there is more to this in conference championship games that meets the eye with Aaron Rodgers. I think that what I saw and what I've seen in the past are when teams really get after him, 
it rattles everybody to have somebody get after you, but I think it rattles him even more. I think he's going to throw a couple picks again. I don't think this game is going to be that close in the last five or ten minutes where Aaron Rodgers can make the difference. And once again, if you give me a choice of Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great quarterback. I'll take Tom Brady. Tom you Brady against Tom Brady. Tom Brady could be 87 years old with a cane and blind, and I would pick him over anybody. Just because if anybody could do it, it would be Tom Brady. But, hey, Steve, did you hear the good news for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, I did. Dwayne Haskins. That is an How about that? Story. I was going to bring that up. I had it in my notes. Congratulations, Sam. I had it in my notes to uh, start a little uh, ruffled feathers thing going on here. How about that? What is Sam? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> I think this is I awesome. had that written. I mean, I could show you on the top of my page right up there. What does that say? <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. Haskins. <laughs> yeah, Dwayne Haskins is a Steeler. So if you're a Steeler fan, you don't have to feel bad about Big Ben being Not only is he a Steeler fan, Mike, you're living because he's a Buckeye. Hey, and, and you know the great thing about this? The Browns have Mayfield. Baltimore has Jackson. The Bengals have Burrow. You got Dwayne Haskins. You've got to be pumped, Sam. Yes, we have our, our young quarterback of the future now, apparently. It's going to be... So what do you think next year he sits and learns behind Mason Rudolph? <laughs> I wrote that down the minute I saw that. Oh, who's the mentor? Is it Mason Rudolph or Devlin Hodges? Which one are we going to use? I don't know. I think it could be the duck, the duck and Mason. So I can hear it. He walks in and Mike Tomlin says, hey, Dwayne, just go do whatever the duck and Mason say. But you know the uptick is, is that Roethlisberger knows he's locked in for another two years. <laughs> He's not if they don't want him to be. They could pay him off and get him out of there. Yeah, but no, no. They, I, what what are they thinking, Sam? Come on. I think they're kicking the tires on everyone they could possibly think of at this point. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, I think that uh, Phillip Rivers is still. He retired. He's, he doesn't want to play. Uh, he's going to go coach for high school football in Alabama, isn't he? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, that's what it is. Somewhere in Alabama, I thought he said, so. All right. Philadelphia Stafford's coming to the Colts and you all are dead. All right. Philadelphia Eagles have hired Nick Sirianni as their head coach. What do you think, Sam? Is this a hire because he's the guy they want, or is this a hire because he's kind of trained under Frank Wright? It, it feels like they've got, they couldn't get Frank Wright, so they got the next best thing, basically, is what it sounds like. They wanted to get the kind of guy who could have a good relationship with Carson Wentz. And this dude, from what I understood, was not calling the plays in Indy. That was Frank Wright's job. So I, I don't know. This feels like a Carson Wentz appeasing kind of move. It doesn't feel like the best thing possible for the football team. All right, Steve, will Sierrani be a good fit? You know, I, I really don't know enough about him. To... He's the freaking Colts OC. You're a Colts fan. Well, but he didn't call the plays, like he said, right? Call the plays. It was kind of like Eric B. Enemy. He's the Eric Bieniemy of it. Well, in that case, no. I thought the Colts' offense pretty much underachieved. Well, I don't like, you think a lot of that underachievement was just lack of weapons. Yeah, but still, I think that they they had big games out of their running game occasionally, but that was due large in part to their offensive line. I don't think we ever developed a strong passing attack on anybody. Um, you know, we we were okay. But we had weapons the Colts did that they didn't utilize. So they, they basically have pissed on T.Y. Hilton, and he's going to be gone this year, I'm sure. He's not going to stick around in Indy for Reich calling those kinds of plays. 
um, the offensive coordinator should still have input to what the head coach is calling. And I was not impressed with the Colts offense. And I watched as many Colts games as I could and studied that team as much as anybody. Kind of like, uh, you know, Sam does with the, the Steelers and you do with the Bengals. Oh, I, I don't study anything with the Bengals. There's nothing to study. Okay, well, whatever. The, 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 the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, we all have our teams that we like to follow for whatever reason, but based on that, um, I don't know what they're doing with Carson Wentz. I don't know that they know what they're doing with Carson Wentz yet. Hell, it could turn out that this guy goes there and Carson Wentz comes to Indianapolis and plays for Right. That's so, still not an unreal possibility yet. I think it is because I think Carson Wentz will be the quarterback now there since Siani is. And the yeah, problem is back. Yeah. Yeah. Carson Wentz is going to be a failure. Right, going to be a failure. Anyway. And the great thing is the Colts are going to be failures because they just left their quarterback and their uh, guy that acted like the OC. So <laughs> now you got Jacoby Brissett. Better than Dwayne no. Haskins. No, Brissett's a free agent, Mike. You don't even have him. We're going to get Stafford. Are you? Yeah, and I Andrew looks going to come out retired. My checks into the Colts quarterback fund. Yeah, well, I don't think Matt Stafford's going to end up there. No, it just ruined my day. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm here for. We'll end up with Dwayne Haskins. Hey, you may, you may have lost your quarterback, but the Texans lost their quarterback, and the Jaguars have Urban Meyer, so things aren't all bad. No, and Derrick Henry's a big running back that'll probably run out of gas soon, anyways, from getting hit so much. But I just wanted to say the biggest news, I think, of this entire year so far has been Dwayne Haskins, the Pittsburgh Steeler. I know. I saw that, and I thought, oh, we're going to have a field day with this one. Yeah, I'm just hoping he's starting next year, week one. No, come on. Don't do that. Come on. I know you hate Pittsburgh. You can't hate Pittsburgh that much, Mike. I've never seen a football team try so hard to get themselves to the bottom as <laughs> Pittsburgh's doing. I mean, they're not just ro- they're not just slipping down there. Right now they're on a on a moped pushing themselves down. Yeah, like two months ago, Steve, they're eleven and zero. They're signing Dwayne Haskins as their quarterback through the Washington <laughs> and then they finished program the and ceremoniously yeah. cut them with two games left in the season. They go eleven and zero, and then they get beaten by the Bengals on Monday night. They lose back-to-back weeks to the Cleveland Browns. If it wasn't for the patheticness that are the Indianapolis Colts, they'd have had nothing in the last two Oh, years. I know, but the Colts, yeah, puked on themselves for a half, thanks to Sirianni, no doubt, who probably called the second half of that game. Oh, he was probably in the bathroom taking a dump. Uh, he should have been, because it stunk it up. All right, guys. We will be back Monday at 1 to recap these games. Sam Teets at Sam Teets 33. Steve Risley at... So who do we all got here again? Going over. Sam, you got... So I have the Chiefs and Bucks. Steve, you've got the Chiefs and Packers, and Mike has the Bills and Bucks. And we could go back to a Week 5 show where that was my pick Week 5 also, if you guys remember. And okay. if you don't believe me, I can actually go pull that up because I was ready to run it today, but it didn't. I couldn't figure out how to edit it. <laughs> I'm old. But as soon as somebody younger gets in my house, I'm going to have them do that, and then we'll run it on a loop if they both <laughs> make it to the Super Bowl. All right, guys, make sure you check us out on Rockfin. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Go to the Grilling Truth Facebook page. Check us out there. Um, don't forget our presenting sponsor, Path of Purity, which is organic, 
It's good for you. CBD, you put it under your tongue. It gets into your bloodstream almost immediately and lasts for 12 hours, time released. So right now, if you go to PassPurity.Direct, you can get a special through the Grilly Truth two months for the price of one. So make sure you check out PassPurity.Direct. So for now, for Sam Teat, Steve Risley, I'm Mike Goodpastor. You've been watching and listening to the Grueling Truth, where the legends speak. <laughs>